Hey guys, it's Derek. We're back on the podcast. And this week, Ash and I are sitting down to discuss the hot topic of gut health. Recently, Ash passed her N2 gut biology certification. And so we just wanted to take a moment to dive a little deeper into the topic. Don't worry, we're not going to nerd out too much on the science and just explain to you from a very high level or macro level what gut health is, why we're concerned with it, and some really practical things you can do to begin moving yourself in the right direction as it relates to your microbiome and your gut health and all the things that are associated with that. So without further ado, let's get into the podcast. All right, everybody, welcome back to Ballistic Performance Radio. This is episode number 60. I'm here with Ash. We are ready to rock and roll today, and Ash is going to be driving the conversation today. How do you feel about that? Excited and nervous. Excited and nervous. So, guys, today we're talking about gut health, and like I said, Ash is going to be driving the conversation. I'm going to chime in here and there when and if I can, because Ash definitely knows more in this realm than I do, Uh, but we're just going to walk through some of the basics basics, right? And yeah. uh, just kind of educate the folks on gut health and why it's important. Yeah. I was going to say I could quiz you. Don't quiz me. It's going to be embarrassing. <laughs> this is full disclaimer. I do not know Yeah, this is a com- anything. I mean, you'll <laughs> learn at the end of this episode or by the end of this episode, it is a complicated topic for sure, but it's a hot topic. That's why I wanted to cover it. You remember that store, Hot Topic? Yeah, it's, it's like it's where all the goth story. kids went and bought oh their clothes. Oh my gosh! Is that insensitive? Yes. Okay, well, that was what we called them when we isn't were in school. Isn't that still a? Isn't it still a store? I don't know if that's still a store. If anyone out there listening is into like that's where want to know fun type fact. stuff, let us know if that's still a store. Want to know a really f- quick fun fact? Sure. That's what where I used to get like my was it called fishnet stockings oh for drag for swimming. You Did would. you ever wear those? fishnet stockings yeah like for taper pit like everyone does that you wear multiple swimsuits you wear fishnet stockings i've never heard of this what who wears fishnet stockings every swimmer i never heard that one you swim in them no never heard yes you do it right before you taper so that it adds drag it adds resistance like so you don't have to practice even longer for more volume. And then by the time race day comes, you're feeling super, super fast. Yeah, I've never heard of that. I think you're making that up. But no, I'm not. I did go pictures. to Hot Topic a few times and buy like a Blink-182 t-shirt. So You would. But Oh, okay. yeah. So would every kid that's my age because Blink-182 rocked. Anyway, <laughs> uh, let's get into gut health. <laughs> yes. So recently I passed the M2 gut biology certification. Uh, and that is why I wanted to dive a little deeper into this topic. And my goal is to really try not to nerd out too much on the science because there is a lot of science. It was a, an eight-week course. And I'd say like six out of the eight weeks was like all science uh, because there is a lot that goes into play. Uh, comes but, into play. C- comes into play. I got your back. Keep rolling. <laughs> uh, and yeah, so that's that's a goal for today. And I w- said this at the very beginning, but I want to start by saying there needs to be a lot 
more research done in this area. Uh, there's been so many studies done on mice, but not a lot has done on humans. And I think it's just because it is like a relatively new topic or area and interest. And it's hard to perform studies that incorporate the gut. Um, but with that being said, what is the gut or like the microbiome? So it is the genetic material of all of our microbes. So bacteria, fungi, uh, and viruses that live on and inside the body. And the microbiome is necessary for basically a lot of things. So it's necessary for optimal immunity it's necessary. It can treat obesity or um, play a part in preventing obesity. And then it's also critical for communication with our actual brain. And if you've heard, our gut is actually called like our second brain. I think that's kind of a little fun fact to throw in there. Uh, and like I said, my goal is not to discuss all of the science with y'all because I don't think you will get much out of that. But I want to discuss a few lifestyle changes that you could make to improve your overall gut health. Can't wait to hear him. I'm pumped. <laughs> um, so starting off, I found this stat super interesting. A lot of people, I think, in health and fitness kind of can blame genetics. Would you agree? Yeah, you hear that all the time. Yeah, like, oh, my genetics don't allow me to do this, so-and-so. So diet is thought to cause over 50% of the variation in microbe in microbial diversity in humans. And we've seen in twin studies that genetics actually only control about 8% of our microbiome. Interesting. Like that's super small. Yeah, I can't believe that actually. It's crazy. Yeah. So like to me, I'm like, that's so cool. Like that means we are in control of a lot. And the more that we control, the better. So just like anything with fitness and nutrition, consistency is key. It doesn't matter if you make these changes for a few months that uh, Derek and I are about to discuss. If you don't consistently do them, it's not going to make a difference. Your microbiome will revert back to how it is originally if you aren't consistent with it. Again, kind of like anything with our fitness and nutrition. So what is lifestyle modification number one that we can focus on? Uh, I believe it's diet. <laughs> Quiz. Uh, what's it called? Quiz answer. Yes. <laughs> Correct. I don't think it's called a quiz answer, but how about Correct. this answer? How about just question number one? Correct. Yeah. Um. So eating a high fiber diet consistently again keyword consistently and trying to aim for right around 35 to 45 grams of fiber per day and i believe we've done a podcast episode on fiber maybe not but we've done a lot of instagram posts i was just going to say if not a podcast lots of posts so 
some high fiber foods are like chia seeds, flax seeds, lentils, black beans, uh, garbanzo beans, I call them chickpeas, uh, green peas, leafy greens, and berries. And wait, is that actually, is there a difference between chickpeas and green peas? No, or wait, chickpeas and garbanzo beans. No, it's the same They're thing. They're the same? Yeah, we looked it up on Google. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> I could be wrong. Someone let me know if I'm wrong. But last time we looked it up, it said the same thing. Okay. Um, And it, it was funny. This past week, I was having a conversation with one of my clients. And she asked, We're try- one of her goals is to increase her fiber intake. And she asked, like, well... Isn't it kind of like cheating to just add chia seeds and flax seeds? Because y'all, if you look, I can't, I don't have the mem uh, the number memorized off the top of my head, but if you basically add like one to two tablespoons of chia seeds and flax seeds, you're almost gonna be up to like twenty ish grams, especially because you're most likely eating some sort of berries because it's easy to add into a smoothie. She's like, well, isn't that cheating? I'm like, no, that's making it easier on yourself. Hell yeah, sister. <laughs> Um, so like I said, eating a high fiber diet consistently is one thing we can focus on. And then when it comes to our nutrition, incorporating resistant starch foods. What's resistant starch mean? Yeah. So the, I, I learned this. I have never heard this term in my 27 years of life. <laughs> so it's starches that are able to escape digestion and reach the colon where they are fermented by certain specialized microorganisms. So basically, they aren't digested, which is not common. Like most of our starches are digested. Interesting. Well, just a side note before we get too far into that. Yeah. I did want to say you had mentioned you never heard that term in 27 years of your life. <laughs> Guys, just as a disclaimer, this is also from the same woman that asked me who the black guy was in the Icy Hot commercial last oh night. Oh my God. <laughs> I knew who it was. I just wanted to make sure he wasn't standing. Uh, I can just tell so we're when clear, we're talking about Shaquille O'Neal here, <laughs> just so everyone knows. But continue on. Continue Have on. you ever heard of resistant starch? No, but I also exactly. know who Shaq is. <laughs> All right. Well, so examples of resistant starch foods are, I'm going to try to explain this as easy as possible. Starting off, this is easy. Potato salad, uncooked corn, and green bananas. I know, green bananas. I'm, I'm lucky. I love green bananas. Something's wrong with you. Um, But those are the easy foods. And, well, I lied. All of them are easy. It just gets a little more complicated. So then you can also add potato starch. And this, again, is super easy. I started to add it into my overnight oats. It's something you can add in um, your smoothies, regular oatmeal. It's literally, it looks like flour. Um, So that is also a good source of resistant starch. And then rice and potatoes, However, obviously, you're not going to eat raw rice and potatoes. That's gross. Yeah, you have a problem Um, if that's the case. But when you cook them and then you let them cool, they become resistant starch. So you can't eat or you can eat them when they're hot, but they're not going to be resistant starch. You want to let them cool. And then if you reheat them, they're still resistant starch because you let them cool. Does that make sense? Yeah. That took me a long time to like comprehend for some reason. I mean, I know hot and cold are pretty 
similar <laughs> things. <laughs> well, no, I don't know. It's just like I didn't understand how you could. Well, there must be a them. molecular change. Yeah, there in is in the food, right? That yeah. creates that difference. Yeah, I just like didn't. I was not comprehending that. So interesting. <laughs> I hate you. <laughs> um, okay, so that's really the modifications you can make with nutrition. Mm-hmm. Got it. Continuing on. All right. What's let's see. Quiz question number two. What's lifestyle modification number two? Uh, I don't want to use my phone a friend yet, so I'm gonna go out on a limb and say <laughs> number A, letter A, <laughs> exercise. I'm so happy you said number. Um, you are correct. Whew. And if you were wrong, I would not be happy because it's written right in front of you but it's fine <laughs> i didn't want the folks to know i was reading off of your notes <laughs> all right so exercise uh with exercise a few correlative studies have shown that people that exercise tend to have higher levels of healthy bacteria and a higher overall microbial diversity and the more microbial diversity the better so those are both very good things. We want healthy bacteria. We want a lot of diversity. Uh, with active individuals, they tend to have higher levels of short-chain fatty acids. And unfortunately, I guess it's not really unfortunately, but they're still unsure if that's an effect of exercise or diet. It's hard to differentiate. Dif differentiate, yeah. And just quickly, again, without getting too much into the science, short-chain fatty acids play a huge role in keeping our intestines like balanced or at homeostasis and preventing disease. So short-chain fatty acids, good. We want those. And then lastly, active individuals may produce uh, metabolites that improve tissue repair, increase energy intake, and improve carb utilization. So again, all of those really great benefits. The only thing I will say with exercise is, again, there's that balance between like high doing too much high intensity exercise. There has been or that's shown to possibly have negative consequences, which we've talked about in past episodes. So just making sure that you're listening to your body uh, and trying to incorporate some form of physical activity every day. Copy that. All right. Lifestyle modification number three. What is it? Oh, well, now that everyone Phone knows I'm reading off the notes, <laughs> uh, the next one is sleep. You got it. <laughs> so every time we say this, quality and quantity do matter. We're trying to aim for like seven to nine hours of sleep every day or I guess every night, uh, there, I so they taught us, or I've, I've actually heard this before as well, but there was a study done where nine males underwent two nights of either normal sleep, so that was seven to nine hours, and partial sleep deprivation, so that was right around four, and like four and a quarter hours, and there were significant changes in their microbiome, which like that was literally two nights. Isn't that yeah, crazy? That is crazy. Also, keep in mind, if you're listening, we're not saying that that's a fact. We're just showing the results of one study. Yeah. And we oh, understand yeah. that the study has an N of nine. Yeah. But it's just something to note. Absolutely. And 
unfortunately, I'm not going to dive too much into this, but shift work is associated with type 2 diabetes, obesity, metabolic syndrome, cancer, and lack of sleep, obviously. So if you are a shift worker, just making sure that you're prioritizing sleep even more and you're trying to find a sleep routine that works for you. Right. Because essentially what you're saying is that lack of sleep is associated with all of those negative outcomes. You got it. Got it. And then lastly, lack of sleep is obviously a well-known stressor and stress is known to induce dysbiosis and that's just an imbalance in our microbiota biota or microbiome wow that was a big word i know i didn't even know how to pronounce it as i was <laughs> are you proud of me yeah i'm really proud i thought for sure you were gonna butcher that no i, I babe i just took a certification she's a beast <laughs> any questions on sleep uh no but i will bring up a funny uh maybe not a funny story but a quick tangent uh, a lot of people when they hear that we get up at you know, anywhere between 4.15 and 4.30 mm-hmm. that they, I've realized that they automatically assume we don't sleep a lot. I've been talking to a lot of folks at power and they're oh, like, really? and I've been telling them about our morning routine. Mm-hmm. And when I tell them that, yeah, we get up at 4.30, we start training by like 5.15, 5.30 and everything else that's involved in our routine with our devotionals and all that, uh, they automatically will lead into at some point in the conversation. Well, so like, you know, you function off of like, like minimal sleep like you're probably only getting what like five or six hours i'm like no dude the whole point of this is like to have a healthy lifestyle we're getting in bed at 8 30 and 9 Mm o'clock like if we stay up till 9 30 we're being cray cray that (laughs) night so i just thought that was funny that that has happened now with multiple people at power yeah i do know and i'm currently in the middle of making like a sleep manual ebook for the ballistic clients. Ooh. I know. I'm almost done. Uh, but well, where was I going with that? Uh, oh, like some people can function off of like six, five, six hours of sleep, but it is rare. Like I'm talking really rare. I can't remember the percentage off the top of my head, but it's small. We talking like winning the lottery kind of yeah. rare? Maybe. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know what the percentage is to win the lottery. We'll look that up. We'll get back to it. Um, But yeah. So, and I know personally, I am definitely someone that I I need at least seven. I'm going to say seven and a half hours. When I reach seven, I'm like, oh, Here's what I've learned about you in the last four years of of dating and living together is that you can function really well off of like you just said seven eight hours of sleep and you can thrive in the morning but you also if you do not have something to do <laughs> or you need rest you have no problem sleeping until <laughs> eight eight thirty i think you could even sl- i've never slept till eight thirty. okay you know what i'm getting at you have no problem in sleeping well past what you force yourself to get up normally like if oh, you yeah. had a choice, like I would never... your ideal day, you wouldn't get up till 730. No, that's not true at all. What time would you get up? I love the time I get up five. I know, but you sleep. I love having without an alarm. One You'll day. sleep till 730. Yeah, because we're working full time jobs and owning a business. I know. I'm just saying, <laughs> I feel like your circadian rhythm is not what time you get yourself up at. Whereas like, no. I feel like if I didn't set an alarm, I would still be up by six. Yeah. Yeah. And I always wonder about that. Because it's not 
it's not going off too much of a tangent. It's not great what I do, like getting seven and a half hours of sleep during the weekday. And then y'all like I'm, I'm almost embarrassed to say this. It's because I still go to bed at like 839 on the weekends, which again, little embarrassing to share with y'all. But we were up till 930 last night. It I was know. one of those cray party nights. animals watching, wa- watching out watching out <laughs> sleeping on separate sides of the couch um but it's not great that on the weekends I'm getting like nine and a half ten hours of sleep like that's it's been shown in research that that is not ideal you want to stay as consistent as possible so ideally if I was the perfect human I would try to allow myself to sleep 15 extra minutes every day of the week so that on the weekend, hopefully I only sleep an extra 30 minutes instead of an extra two hours. Hashtag truth. Yeah. Is that going to happen? Probably not. When we have kids, probably. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. Continuing on. Okay. So uh, um, are we on number four? Life modification. We're on number four. And number since I'm four. reading off of the notes, I'll tell you what it is. <laughs> It's possibly add in a high quality tested probiotic. Yes. So I honestly don't have much to say about this. And it's because there still needs to be a lot of research done on probiotics. So uh, one of the well-studied probiotics is something called VSL-3. And an example of that is VisBiome. So if you see that, we can link it in our show notes maybe too. If you see that, that is one of the well-studied probiotics. And VSL-3, it's been shown to possibly prevent obesity and increase short-chain fatty acid production. And in the course, uh, Mike Malloy from M2, he was saying that he doesn't have any gut like health problems, but he still takes that probiotic. Now, I will say it is pricier than anything you will find, but it's tough because a lot of probiotics are not well-researched. And uh, so sometimes you're wasting your money. We, you don't even know what you're putting in your body. Uh, so that's where you can kind of like justify, okay, it is more money, but it's well studied and it's not something that you can only take if you're having, or if you think you're having gut problems. Yeah. And to kind of lead into the next way or segue into the next one is if you're not going to take those probiotic supplements, Mm -hmm. then what are some of the probiotic rich foods that we can get into? Or prebiotic, I apologize. What are some of the prebiotic rich foods that we can Yeah, get into? so this is going to be that life modification number five. So eating prebiotic rich foods, that's going to be things like bananas, onions, artichokes, asparagus, garlic, oats, apples. I never can Jicama. say this. Yeah, I always say jacama when I go to a salad place. Isn't it jicama? Yeah, it's jicama, <laughs> but I call it jacama. <laughs> And then seaweed, which I feel like is rare, but hey, I feel like sushi, great. I ain't eating seaweed unless it's in sushi. Uh, we should get s- sushi today. Oh, good call. We haven't had that in forever. If you live in the Ann Arbor area and you hear this episode, we probably picked a really bad sushi place. Yeah. <laughs> so if you know of any good ones, just hit Let us, us up. Let us know. Yeah, because we'll be regretting our decision probably. Yeah. So just incorporating those types of foods... Um, in your in your nutrition can it's it's an easy way it's like a low-hanging fruit 
<laughs> no pun intended. <laughs> Were you trying to decide if that was a pun or yeah. not? Yeah. But I that's knew. why I was like, yeah. <laughs> that was that awkward laugh. She wasn't sure what to say. All right, two more. All right, number six, limit artificial sweeteners. Yes. So in general, fake sugars seem to induce elevated inflammation. But again, y'all, more research needs to be done. A lot of this has been tested on mice. And so, yeah, hopefully in the near future, we'll see more studies done on humans. And um, going into the final one, something else to limit is dietary emulsifiers. Ooh, what's that? Do you know what it is? No. I know. I didn't either. I learned this in school, but I can't remember. Yeah, that's I knew the word, but I was like, oh, I don't remember what that is. But it's just often used in processed foods to improve ingredient mixing. So things I can't even say these words, but lectin, lectin, like I don't know the next one. Gar, gar. No, I think it's gar, guar gum. But basically all of those ingredients you see on packages like processed foods that you can't pronounce like us yeah there those are probably emulsifiers or added sugars yes <laughs> yeah seriously um that's why we always say in previous episodes or on our instagram like the less ingredients usually the better so uh with dietary emulsifiers it can increase the pro-inflammatory potential of the human microbiome and metabolic diseases. Uh, So similar to artificial sweeteners, this goes with everything with nutrition that we recommend. If you are eating mainly whole nutrient-dense foods and limiting your processed foods, you don't really have to worry about the artificial sweeteners and emulsifiers. Like, do we eat some artificial sweeteners? Yes. Do we eat them every single day and multiple meals? No. So it's a, is it something that's really harming our gut health? Probably not. Do we know? There, like I said, there needs to be more research, but it's not something that you have to be like, oh, I can never have that again in my life. Just limit it. Be aware of it. Cool. Any questions on this? No, I think you kept it pretty basic, pretty high level. So that was good. I, I feel I, like those are two different things, basic and no, high level. No, basic is obviously like rudimentary. High level means like from a macro view, like we're not mm. trying to get into the details. I gotcha. Yeah. Alrighty. So no questions? I don't think so. Let's recap. All right. Lifestyle modifications. Everyone, whether you are having gut problems or not, can focus on. Number one. What is it? Incorporate fiber-resistant starch foods. Sweet. Number two is exercise daily. Number three, prioritize sleep. Four, incorporate a well-studied probiotic. If you guys could see how happy Ashley's face is (laughs) that we're ping-ponging back and forth here (laughs) at these. It's embarrassing. Number five, eat prebiotic-rich foods. And number six, limit (laughs) artificial sweeteners and dietary emulsifiers. Boom. I love it. So, uh, guys, you know, obviously that recap there is your take home for today. Mm-hmm. Right? Incorporate those things into your nutritional, what should we call it, regimen or dietary habits. Into your life. I into mean, we have life. exercise. Oh, that's true. Into your life. And uh, you're going to be in a better place. And again, as Ashley mentioned, a lot of research still needs to be done in this uh, in this area. But these are the things that we know so far and that can at least begin to point us in the right direction 
as it relates to gut health. Uh, but Ash, I love that episode. You were just like the dominating force from start <laughs> to finish. And y- y'all, like if you have questions about the science, this is one of the reasons I took this course or the certification because I wanted to help y'all more. And I love talking about it. I love nerding out about it. So if you do have any questions, please don't hesitate to reach out to us, send us a message and we'll either record a podcast or just message you back. Oh, and to sign off here, fun fact, this episode is going to be the first episode in 2021. Oh my So happy new year, everybody. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, gang. Until next time, we'll see you around. Bye. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Whether this is your first time tuning in or if you're here with us each and every week, we cannot thank you enough. We cannot believe that we've been doing this now for over a year and it's all because of you. We could not do this without you. Because of your support and your love that you're pouring into us, we're able to reach more people and change more lives through this platform each and every week. And so as a thank you, we would really, really appreciate if you head over to iTunes and just leave a five-star review, leave a comment in there as well so we continue to grow, expand this platform so that we can reach more people and change more lives. Now, that being said, you may be listening to the podcast for the first time, or maybe you're here with us each and every week, like I said, but if you're not following us on every other platform, you're missing out. Be sure to get on TikTok, follow us on there for all things fitness. We have hundreds, if not thousands of videos on there for you to check out. Make sure you're following us on Instagram. We are putting out all kinds of content as it relates to nutrition, fitness, and mindset. And then of course, get on Facebook, get on YouTube. Guys, we are trying to help you in as many ways as possible on as many platforms as possible. So be sure to follow us. All that said, again, we cannot thank you guys enough for your support and we will see you next time.